You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel is with me as always, and we have some football discussion to be made. Top 25 for the coaches poll has been released. And Eric and I are going to dive in a little bit more on the new 2020 football schedule. What games kind of stick out the most to us right now? But before we dive into today's show, I want to remind everybody out there, if you want to support the podcast, the easiest and uh, best way to do that is by subscribing to DuckTerritory.com. And you can get 50% off your annual VIP membership Build one time for $53.70. You get 12 months of VIP coverage, inside scoop, expert analysis. Read all the content across the 24-7 Sports Network. Uh, exclusive recruiting coverage. A ton of positives by subscribing to DuckTerritory.com. It supports the podcast. Uh, it helps us continue to do these shows every single week, which we do three of them per week. If that's not on your option list right now. You can go and give us a review on whatever platform, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever. Give us a review. Uh, that also greatly helps us as well. Okay, Eric. Uh, top 25 rankings came out. Oregon is a top 10 team. They are ninth in the country in the coaches pool. And I look at this and think – right about right like i i could argue maybe maybe they're a little bit higher up in the top 25 but i could also easily argue that there's justification for them maybe being a little bit lower i i kind of saw it and thought okay that's about right i you know i kind of had an expected range of maybe 8th through 12th here was about where i thought they would land and, and in part because you look at the way these polls have been done the last decade and there's about five or six schools that are always right at the top and they're there again, you know, it's Clemson, it's um, Ohio state, it's Alabama, Georgia, LSU, who obviously defending champions, Oklahoma ahead of them. And that's kind of those five and six schools are almost always right at the top here. So for, I wasn't expecting Oregon, especially replacing a quarterback to be above those schools, but this feels about right. And, and I should say like, I think it's pretty complimentary of Oregon that they have this ranking, a top 10 ranking, which I think we both agree is justified, considering that there, there is no certainty at quarterback right now. Um, I think that, that says a lot about where they see Oregon. I think last year I was looking at it, they ranked Oregon 13th, and that was with a healthy Justin Herbert, a you know, potential Heisman Trophy candidate, top draft choice at quarterback. This year they think even more highly of Oregon, and yet the quarterback situation is, is far less clear. So I think that says a lot about what they've seen from a team, like a total team perspective from Oregon, especially that defense. Um, a lot of things clearly working on Oregon's direction here. And again, I think nine feels about appropriate. And I'm, and I'm happy that they are top 10 because I think they're deserving of it. And, and we'll talk about the rest of the Pac-12 in a second here. But um, Oregon clearly, at least from the coach's perspective, the favorites to win the Pac-12. Clemson is number one. They received 38 first place votes. Four teams uh, in the country received a first place vote. Ohio State is second, and they had the second most first place votes with 17, and they're just 44, uh, 34 points, excuse me, points behind the Clemson Tigers. So, really even split right there almost between 
the re really the big difference is the first place votes. So we almost saw an Oregon-Ohio State game this season, which could have been uh, a game in which Oregon was playing arguably the second best team in the country. Um, Alabama is third with a hundred with four first place votes and 1,495 points, hundred points or less separates third and through one through three. Uh, and then we get a little bit of a gap with Georgia at four. They didn't receive any first place votes. LSU did, did get six. Um, they are fifth in the country. Oklahoma is sixth. And then another little bit of a gap from six to seven. Penn state is seventh with, 1,199 votes. Um, Florida is eight. Oregon, like we said, is nine. They received 1,164 points. So um, not a lot of separation between Penn State at seven and Oregon at nine. And, and at the same time, uh, there's a small gap between Oregon and, and Notre Dame at 10. Uh, the Fighting Irish received 1,012 points. Um, Oregon's the highest-ranked Pac-12 team. The next closest is Southern California at 17. Utah is also ranked at 20th. And I, I think from a Pac-12 perspective, Eric, um, the, the really interesting and discussion standpoints are going to fall with who wasn't ranked and what teams you know, in the receiving votes area had more votes than the other ones because ASU is the highest – uh, is the team with the most votes that didn't get ranked among Pac-12 schools with 88 points. Uh, and then it's Washington at 65. And then further down the list, Washington received six, six points. And Cal had five. Stanford had two. But the weird one here is a lot of people are, are thinking Cal is going to be the Pac-12 North's biggest challenger to Oregon. And yet across the country from a coaching perspective – Coaches view Washington and Washington State as better as the better programs. I can I can understand the perception aspect with Washington because of where they've been recently, um, and I get it with Arizona State too because of how they finished last season. Washington State, I know it's one difference in vote. Washington State had six votes, Cal had five. I I, I don't understand that at all. I I, I have I find I've, I I'm kind of confounded by it just thinking about it because like you look at Cal. Cal was better than Washington State last year. Cal returns its quarterback and most of its top offensive players. And I know there's been some discussion on the message board about how Cal's offense wasn't that good, so maybe returning kind of marginal players. And I think there's probably some validity to that, but there's also something to be said about having that continuity here for two to three years, and you now have a defense, which I know loses Evan Weaver, but brings back quite a bit that I think is going to be really competitive. And, and so that's what Cal brings back. And then you have Washington State replacing Mike Leach with Nick Rolovich. And, I mean, I, know, I don't know when all these votes were cast, but I'm sort of skeptical of how, how unified that locker room will be for him this year. And it's not only just that they have a coaching change. They're going to have to replace their quarterback. They lose the, the, their top four pass receivers from last year. Um, like, I think Washington State's in a rebuild mode here. And so I was surprised they received any votes at all, really. And, and then I was even more surprised that, that California, who, who I think – you know, Cal and Washington, probably the two teams I really think can challenge Oregon in the Pac-12 North, but that Cal has less votes than Washington State, who I think maybe, like if I was, if I was ranking the Pac-12 North teams, I might have Washington State last. Yeah. I'd probably have Oregon State and Stanford both ahead of the Cougars. So I didn't understand that one. I was probably, the, from a Pac-12 perspective, the part I understood the least. I, I think we all kind of assumed SC would be the, the favorite in the Pac-12 South. Um, a little surprised Utah is – ahead of ASU, but I think that's maybe a, a tip of the cap of the coaching staff's 
across the country um, respecting Kyle Whittingham and the youths and kind of what they are able to develop every single year. So yep. I'm not necessarily too concerned with that. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I didn't pay that much. I was just going to say, I didn't pay that a whole lot of thought, Matt, in terms of Arizona State, Utah. I think those teams are pretty even. I probably would give Utah a slight edge. Um, but I, I, think they, I think they got Pac-12 South stuff. I don't have any arguments with. I think USC, to me, for my money, is the best team in the Pac-12 South, and, and it should be ranked where they're ranked. And frankly, I think you could probably make an argument, and you'd have a good counter because USC's defense is so bad. But from an offensive perspective, like I think USC could have a top-10 offense this year, and they could probably have a pretty decent argument to be rated ahead of two or three of these teams directly ahead of them. Um, I look at teams like Michigan and, and Oklahoma State in particular, but um, I, I think the Pac-12, you sort of get a feel for what the national perception is. And the fact that the Pac-12 only has three teams in here, only one team in the top 10, um, it's sort of in, it's, it's indicative of kind of the national perception. And you have a team like Cal who I think if Cal was playing in the SEC and you just rewrote the scripts, uh, I bet you Cal's ranked probably close to where USC is ranked. You had a team back that was kind of a marginal program most years, but they returned a ton. They've been really consistent last year when their quarterback was healthy. You've got, you know, 30 year under Wilcox that if you, you know, pick that up and put it in the SEC, you'd probably have a school that would be, be ranked at least in the top 25. So I don't know, maybe I'm just here on my pac doesn't get enough respect thing, but I, I do think three teams felt a little bit, little bit shallow in my mind. Does, in your mind, when you look at this, Oregon's got two games on their schedule mm-hmm. in which they are going to play a ranked opponent at home, in November against USC, and then in December on the road against Utah. You could argue ASU may move into the top 25 by the time Morgan plays them week two. Yeah, um, may, maybe Washington moves into the top 25 uh, week four, I believe, or week five um, of the new season. Uh, don't think it's really going to be possible for Washington State to, to move into that top 25-ish range, maybe, I mean, but at the same time. But knowing what we know now, at least from a coaching, you know, from the top 25 coaches poll, two ranked opponents, is that enough cachet for – and is Oregon ranked high enough for them, you, you feel like, for them to, to stay in the, in the playoff hunt if they go 10-0? and 0? Yeah, I think so. And in part I say that because you look about – I was just looking at the, the conferences represented above Oregon and – uh, the SEC has four schools rated above Oregon. The Big 12 has two – or, sorry, the Big 10 has two, Ohio State and Penn State. One of those – you know, if Oregon were 10-0 and and probably 11-0, I guess, you'd have to consider because they would win the conference. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but if Oregon's 11-0, I would, I would have a hard time believing they wouldn't get in regardless of kind of what their resume looks like. And uh, I would think it would be somewhat – disrespectful to, to toss in a maybe a, a team from the SEC with this with a one loss obviously going to have to have one loss you know I'd, I'd have to look more at the schedule to see if it's somehow possible to have a two unbeaten teams in the SEC but I would expect that's impossible um, so yeah I, I think Oregon can get in I think the thing you, the, I think the upside is not very high as a seed though like I think the maybe the highest they could get would really be three or four depending upon unless it's a crazy year where teams are just beating up on each other because I don't think Oregon's resume, even as an unbeaten team, would be all that comparable to the resume of an SEC champion or maybe even a Big Ten champion. Um, and then, of course, you have the, the added cachet of a school like Clemson who starts the season ranked number one, and you have a school like Notre Dame right on Oregon's heels at 10. I think maybe they're the one, and I guess they are playing in the ACC this year, 
uh, maybe they are the one that Oregon needs to kind of keep an eye out for about possibly sneaking over them. But I think if Oregon's unbeaten, I think they're in. I, I, I guess I do kind of wish there were more opportunities to have impressive wins, but of course that's out of Oregon's control at this point. Now it is important. I think from a playoff perspective that Oregon does not play Ohio state. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I look at that game, uh, potential week two opponent, Ohio state's two in the country. Um, I, I think Oregon could hang I, 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 with Ohio state, but I think there's a better, there was a better chance with everything that's happened that, Oregon loses that game and maybe not straight up bad blowout fashion, but where Ohio state controls the game throughout and, you know, they walk away with a pretty solid convincing win. I think there's a better chance of that happening uh, than Oregon upsetting Ohio state inside Austin stadium. And so I look at it as not playing Ohio state is a big win for Oregon's playoff chances. And if they were in the top, if they weren't in the top 10, I, I would argue that uh, having that game off the schedule hurts Oregon. But now that they're in the top 10, like you said, you know, that some of these SEC schools are going to beat up on each other. I mean, there's Florida, LSU, Georgia, Alabama. Uh, you know, there's four teams in the, S- in the SEC that are in the top 10. They're going to beat up on each other a little bit. And as long as Oregon goes undefeated, goes, goes 10-0 in league play and then wins the conference championship game out of, and goes to 11-0, I have a hard time seeing a scenario in which they're at least not fourth. Right. Yeah. I think we're on the same page. And I think that's how you have to read this. And I think Oregon, honestly, I don't want to say they're out if they're 10 and one. Um, but I do think 10 and one starts to get makes it just the way things are set up here with just the caliber of win Oregon can have at least the perception of these wins. And, and that's where it is. Unfortunate. There's no non-conference play. Cause you, I, I, I guess, it's hard to see a team from the Pac-12 jumping some of these teams above them really without the other teams really struggling. You know what I mean? Because there's not going to be this sense of like, you're kind of, you're you're on an island here really, you know, as a Pac-12, you're playing each other only. You don't have opportunities really to impress the the voting committee. And I guess the perception of the conference, unless like Oregon loses a couple times, which hurts the perception of Oregon. and doesn't really, I mean, there's not really a, a winnable scenario here for, I think for the conference to have a lot of, teams in the top 25, unless everybody, unless there's just like four dominant teams that win right. seven, eight, nine, ten 10 games. So um, I think that part does hurt Oregon. And you're right. I think the fact that, I think the fact that they don't play Ohio state works out pretty well this year um, if they were going to lose that game. But I also think you can look at this realistically and go like, I think 10 one would be a real debate for this election committee um, when they're when, you know, and of course there's a ton of things we'd have to consider, but if Oregon goes 10 and one and their one losses to let's just say it's to uh, USC at home um, and USC only has one loss as well. And they play in the Pac-12 championship game. Oregon wins the rematch. They're 10 and one. Is that enough for Oregon to say, okay, we've got like one top 15 win, probably another top 20 win against Utah. When you're comparing that against a resume for say uh, another one of these SEC schools that is also probably in that case would be nine and one. They wouldn't play in the conference championship game, but they're nine and one, but their wins are considered better because they've beaten teams higher on, on those rankings. So I think that that could be a thing I could see. We're of course, we're months out from, from this, but that could be a scenario I could see playing out sometime in December where if Oregon does lose a game and they're 10 and one going against an SEC team, or maybe even a big 10 team that's nine and one, uh, that, that things could get kind of difficult. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back now that we know the schedule, now that we know at least one of the two top 25 rankings, 
What are some games on the schedule that we're most anticipating and what could be the toughest game on Oregon's schedule? All coming up next here on the Austin Audible's podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome back to the Ops and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Preen. Eric Scopel is with me as always. And want to remind you guys, we are offering a promotion 50% off an annual membership. That's a huge savings uh, $53.70 one-time billing, uh, 50% off annual membership. If you are looking to subscribe, now is a perfect time to do so. Okay, Eric, um, some interesting games to look forward to this season. I, I think the one that instantly pops into my head is the Washington State game, week two, <laughs> um, October 3rd in Pullman, just because the coaches are high on Washington State, even though there's a new change Nick Rolovich is in for Mike Leach at head coach. Washington State has more than a handful of starters to replace, including uh, their top, I think, three receivers, their quarterback. They do bring, bring back Max Borgi, who's their start running back and does everything. But, you know, new head coach, new quarterback, new star receivers, a lot of pieces to, to, to replace. And yet the, the coachings across the country view them as – uh, the third best team in the Pac-12 North. So early road game in, in Pullman, I think that's one for me that really catches my eye for interest. Yeah, and the, and the games against Washington State have been really challenging for Oregon. I mean, yes. Mike Leach, let's not discount, he won four straight against Oregon up until last year. And, we need, and you know, and Oregon needed a Camden Lewis field goal in the closing seconds to, to hold them off. So um, that's been a tough matchup for Oregon. I, I do wonder what the coaching X factor, how much that plays into it as well. And then for me, it's also like, maybe it's a really good thing. Oregon gets Washington state second week of the season, probably going to be, if there are fans, a diminished number of fans in the stadium. It's also early October, as opposed to like late November when these games have been played in the past. So that's, that's a benefit playing in Pullman when it's freezing out there can really impact a football game. Um, I'm with you that like, I, I guess there's, based on the coach's ranking, I get this game maybe has a little bit of added cachet, but I, I still am kind of in the camp of I need, I need to see something from Washington State um, before I get too concerned. I think um, I'm, I'm really curious to see, you know, and, and if, yeah, I don't want to base my entire opinion of Nick Rolovich based upon one audio recording I listened to over the weekend, but, like, I, I, I think that that locker room, I, I have concerns about how that's going to – how that goes down now. I mean, like, if you've got players – 
who are trying to join part of the unity movement and you've got a, a coaching staff that's, that's basically threatening that they may not have available scholarships the following year. Like that's, I think you're asking and welcoming a lot of disruptions from an internal perspective. So I, I, I guess I'm cautious there from an offensive perspective though. And I was looking at the numbers. Um, Rolovich was awesome at Hawaii last year and they were fifth nationally in passing offense. Um, Washington state was first. Um, and I think they were 24th in, in scoring offense. So, you know, he's an offensive-minded football coach. He walks into a situation where they're at least used to throwing the ball a lot. So from a transition perspective, it's not like you're going from, you know, you're, you're staying at least in kind of the same family of offenses. You're not going from a spread offense to being like a, an I-formation team. So that part could make an easier transition. But I still think Washington State, second week of the season, I think I feel pretty good about Oregon there. The the game the second game I'm most excited for or interested in watching, I, I'm not going to list off Oregon State or Washington. Um, I, there's a lot of intrigue in those, but I'm really curious to see um, the next two for me. Cal, November 7th, uh, Saturday in Berkeley. Oregon just comes off the Washington game. And, and this is why, because Oregon's going to play Washington State, or they're going to play Oregon State, then they're going to get a bye week, and then they're going to play Washington. So three weeks they play their two, you know, from a fan base perspective, the schools that they dislike the most. Um, I think there's definitely some tension, if you will, between Oregon and Washington coaches. Um so I think that one will matter. And how does Oregon respond to then going on the road and playing a tough Cal team that you and I are both impressed with? Yeah. And are, are, are they going to be – and the next week they, they play at home against USC. I don't know if Cal necessarily counts as a trap game, but it just feels like that game has just gotten a little bit more difficult. I, I think the fact that they are – you know, I, I know the rankings isn't like – this isn't something that's going to ultimately mean that much, but like from a perception perspective, and we'll see what, what Cal will be ranked when this game is played or if they're ranked, because you'd be talking about five games into a season. So you'd have a pretty good idea how good they are at that point. But I was really surprised. And I've said it already that they weren't a team that received at least more votes than Washington state and probably Washington given what they returned. Um, so that's a game I'm like really just intrigued by at this point now is there seems like a real varying perception on what California can be this year. I look at them and thought they might be and still probably feel this way. Oregon's biggest challenger in the North yet you look at the way at least the, co the coaches voted and there is an indication that they don't feel that way at all. So I I'm really curious to see what Cal can be. I think Cal's probably maybe one of the biggest wildcard teams in the conference in terms of like there is, there's, Part of me that thinks, hey, they can be really good, maybe maybe rattle off seven, eight, maybe get to nine wins and really challenge Oregon. And there's another part of me that thinks they haven't really proven it for a full season yet. And I know the offense is is returning a lot of guys, but like we said earlier, it's not like it's not like Chase Garbers had an incredible passing season last year. I know he had good stats and he played well at moments, but I think there's still a lot for Cal to prove. So Cal's probably the game, honestly, on the schedule that I'm kinda like I don't want to say I'm most excited for, but, but maybe I am. I think it's an interesting one. And, and again, the perception nationally and how that varies, I think just kind of adds to that. Um, and as far as the USC game, I've already said that before, that, that I think that game is, is probably going to be the most exciting game of the year. Um, you're talking about probably the best pass offense in the conference and USC against, I'm pretty confident, the best pass defense in Oregon. And we saw last year how that played out. But um, it's still going to be fun to see 
really, really high-end NFL caliber wide receivers and I think a quarterback in Slovis eventually against really high-end NFL caliber defensive backs at Oregon. I think those matchups um, will be really fun to watch um, in mid-November. Yeah, and I'm with you. USC is going to be the game that uh, is the one I'm looking forward to the most um, just because, like you said, they on paper they have the most talent – High passing offense. Yep. Uh, they will be bo- very motivated with how Oregon handled business down in the Coliseum last year, and and kind of made a mockery a little bit of just how poorly run or played uh, that football game was by the USC Trojans. And I don't mean that like you know Oregon coaches were doing anything malicious or anything of that nature. It's just it was staggering to see uh, how much better Oregon was, and so USC will will want to come out for sure and, and kind of strike revenge on that one. And there's going to be a lot of intrigue. It's also Oregon's game, you know, going into the year against their highest ranked opponent on the schedule. So that's always going to be the one that, that draws the most attention real quick. Um, it, is, is Oregon's toughest game in your schedule? Any of the three that we've discussed, or is there a different game that you view as the toughest? Well, when I did the rankings, I guess it's not been a little over a week, um, about a week ago, exactly, actually, because they came out last Friday. Uh, I had California as my toughest game, USC second and Utah third. So I, I still, I think I still stick with that. I'm not going to be swayed too much by the way the coaches voted there. Um, I still think that Cal game to me feels like the, the toughest test in, in part because it's, I think, you know, the first road game that could be really challenging. Um, you know, Washington state, I, I, like I said earlier, I still have some questions and, and uncertainty about how good they're going to be. And I think Oregon State, we did our, our site projections, uh, predictions on Thursday for that game. I think getting Oregon State early in the season before their bye week, I think that's good too. I mean, Oregon State, like Washington State, similar situation where they have a lot that they're trying to replace offensively, a new quarterback, they lost Hodgins, they lost a couple offensive linemen. I know defensively they, they should be better. But I think it's better. Honestly, I think it's favorable that Oregon plays Oregon State week four as opposed to later in the season. Um, but I don't think that game is necessarily going to be too competitive on the road. I just think that game in Berkeley, it's, it's probably, from my perspective still, even though the coaches disagree, the toughest Pac-12 North opponent they'll face and the fact that it's on the road and, and really the first tough road test for the season. Um, and again, I still have a hard time. I don't know exactly what these road tests are going to look like because I don't know what the stadium is going to – how full it's going to be and what the crowd environment is going to be like. But – I still look at that game for Cal as the toughest one to schedule. I've gone back and forth. I think Cal is going to be the toughest game, but I also think we could see a snowy, cold mountain game against Utah in early December. And if that Utah team is anywhere close to what we typically see in playing good football, you know, they they start out slow and get – get better each week that Utah team could be could be awfully tough so I'll stick with Cal (coughs) excuse me but I will I will side with the caveat of Cal may be overcome by Utah you know with maybe halfway through the season I I could change my opinion and and I'm gonna hold that card in my pocket just because Utah is always historically a team that gets really good. And uh, if that holds again true, playing Utah in December, last game of the year, 
when you play games, you know, injuries are, are piling up. That could be that could true. That could prove to be really difficult. And just really quick before we wrap up here, I think if you look at the schedule, probably could pick almost any of these back six games, the games after the bye week for the toughest game on the schedule. Um, I think it's really a back back heavy schedule. You know, if we talked about it before, I think I think very winnable games to start the season at home with Colorado. Same with Washington State, Oregon State. I think Arizona State will be tough, but uh, you know. Washington should be a competitive game. It has been the last couple of years um, in the rivalry. We talked about Cal and USC already. I think a game on a Friday night in Tucson, Arizona, even though Arizona's probably not going to be good, that game has got to be at least concerning. And then the Stanford-Utah games at the end of the season that we talked about where those teams are could, in theory, be con- contending for Pac-12 championships and have a lot of motivation to win. So I think it's a it's – a, I like the schedule. I think it's tougher on the back end, and I think that's the way it should be. I think it works out really nicely for Oregon in terms of you get – some of the, the the lesser caliber offensive teams in particular early on, um, I guess Washington State lesser caliber defensively, but better offensively. But you get those teams early on, and then you can kind of work your way into the back end of the schedule where things should get a little bit more difficult. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audible's podcast. Thank you for listening. Continue to listen. Continue to share. Give us a review on the podcast and whatever platform you listen to us, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or any of the others out there, uh, please give us a review. Those always help. And also remember, we are offering, uh, in celebration of 24-7 Sports' 10-year anniversary, 50% off an annual membership that comes out to being, uh, real quick, that comes out to being $53.70 one-time payment. So huge savings there. Uh, month-to-month price is $9.95. Your first month is $1. So multiple ways to help to support the podcast. We thank you everyone for doing so. For Eric Scopel, I'm Matt Prame. You've been listening to the Odds and Audible's podcast. Talk to you later, folks.